0: All right, man. Y'all are gonna have all kinds of time to play tonight because the last two nights we've been starting like right now, so we're gonna be done early and outside tonight. Are y'all ready for that? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, Bibles. If you didn't bring one, grab one. They're on the back table. Those blue books right back there. And as I said last two nights, if you don't own one, when you leave tonight, take one of those with you. It's yours. Please use it. But we are going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. And this week we've kind of been talking about the same theme. Can anybody tell me what it is? Yeah, be one. Talk about being a disciple of Jesus. We've been talking about this idea that, that if if we're going to put our faith and trust in Him, then, then we're called to be His disciple. That means we're called to actually follow Him. Monday night, we talked about what it actually looks like to be a disciple, what the life of a disciple looks like. And if you weren't here and you couldn't uh, be a part of that, you can actually go to... Um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all of that. We've got a KF student podcast. You can hear those messages for what you missed the last two nights. But night one, we looked at what does it mean to be a disciple? Last night, we talked about this idea that if you're going to be a disciple, that there's a cost to it. And the cost is very high. It's going to cost you your life. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are really going to follow him and honor God with your life each and every day, it means you're going to have to give up your plans and your pride and even your life, everything that you hold on to, that you cling to so that you can pursue the life that God has designed for you. That's what it looks like to be a a disciple. And that brings up the question for tonight. If we know what a disciple looks like and we know what it costs to be a disciple, the question you have to answer tonight is, is it worth it? In, in your life, is it worth it for you to do the things that we've talked about over the last couple nights, to actually be one, to be a disciple? And that sounds like a very simple yes or no question to answer, but it's so much more than that. Because when you decide to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the way we've talked about over the last couple nights, what that means is that it's going to cost you everything, but the gain that you have is way more than the cost that it's gonna take from you. Let me say that again. The gain that you have in your life when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and become his disciple is way more valuable, way more than anything that it's ever gonna cost you. And that's exactly what Jesus addresses in the last three verses that we're gonna be in tonight. So just kinda set the scene if you remember Last night, Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and as he's talking to his disciples, he starts to tell them what he has to do, that he has to go to Jerusalem, that he has to suffer, that he has to die, and that God is going to raise him again on the third day. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. If you're, it's, it's, it's a great holiday. We love bunnies. We love eggs, all that good stuff. But we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating at Easter time. And Jesus walks through and tells his disciples, this is what has to happen. The problem is Peter, who just before that told Jesus that he knew who he was. He knew he was the Christ. He was the Savior. Just before that, Peter has now said, Jesus, that's never going to happen to you. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. You don't have to go through any of that because even though Jesus or even though Peter knew Jesus, even though Peter had a saving relationship with Jesus, he still didn't fully comprehend what Jesus was actually going to have to do. So Peter argues with Jesus and Jesus responds kind of harshly. He looks at Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Because remember, we talked about last night, Peter was doing the exact same thing that Satan had done with Jesus. Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down to Satan. And Peter was telling Jesus the same thing. No, you shouldn't have to go through all of those things to be the king that Scripture says you're going to be. So Peter is rebuked by Jesus. And, and it's as we talked about last night, that's not really a shining moment in the life of Peter But Jesus goes on to explain, if you're truly going to be my disciple, Jesus says you've got to be willing to take up your cross. And if you're familiar with the cross, you know what that means is you've got to be willing to die. You've got to be willing to lay down your life, everything that you have, everything that you are. So as we talk about this tonight, as we walk through these last three verses, with all of that in mind, you need to answer that question for yourself. Is it worth it? Is it worth it in your own life to say that I am a disciple, I am going to be one, I am going to give up everything, is it worth it for you? Because it is a question you do have to answer. Because if you say, you know what, I'm not ready to answer that yet, I'm not quite sure that's worth it, it is a yes or no question. So if your answer is not yes, your answer is no. Let's look at what Jesus says tonight. Matthew chapter 16 Verse 25 is where we're going to start, and we're just doing three verses, but I'm going to ask you to stand anyway in honor of the reading of God's word. Follow along with me here. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can come together and spend time in your word tonight, God. And I pray that you will help each one of us to to be different, to be changed, because we've been in your presence and we've been in your word. God, help us to understand who you've called us to be and to be willing to answer that question tonight. Is it worth it to follow you? Is it worth it to be one of your disciples? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So let's just walk through these three verses, okay? May not take us too long tonight. May take us longer. I don't know yet. We'll find out. So Matthew 16, verse 25. Let me read that again. For whoever would save his life, but whoever loses his life for my sake will so let me stop and ask you a question. Have you ever had something in your life that you tried to hold on to so tightly and no matter how tightly you tried to hold on to it, you kept losing it? Anybody in here ever been to the beach? Have you ever taken a handful of sand while you're out in the waves and just tried to hold on to it? What happens to that sand? It goes away. That water comes back and forth and back and forth, and after a little while, you open your hand, and all of that sand that was in there is gone. Because no matter how hard you try to hold on to that handful of sand, the waves come and the water somehow works its way in between your fingers and in those little nooks and crannies, and it takes away everything you're holding on to so tightly. That, that's kind of a picture of what Jesus is talking about here when it comes to our life. Jesus is saying that that when you try to hold on to everything in your life and choose not to follow him, you need to understand that those things that you're holding on to, they're going to go away anyway. No matter how tight you hold them, no matter how hard you try to keep that grip, they're going to disappear. That's what he's trying to help us understand here as he walks through this. And and what we have to remember is that so often we fight so desperately to hold on what we think is best for our life. I mean, think about that for a second. Maybe there's been a time in your life already where you just knew, okay, God, this is the person you want me to be with. This is the thing you want me to do. This is the path you want me to pursue. And not much time later, you realize, oh my goodness, that's not who I was supposed to be holding on to or what I was supposed to be holding on to at all. And now it's gone. Jesus has helped us understand that those things that we fight to hold on to, everything else, the things that we fight to hold on to that everyone else in the world tells us should fulfill us are things that aren't worth it. Because if you haven't felt this yet, you will at some point. There's a hole inside of you. There's a craving inside of you, and we try desperately over and over with so many different things to fill that hole, and we chase relationships, and we chase money, and we chase um, fame, and we chase possessions, and we chase all of these different things, and what happens is time and time again, we get those things, and for a little while, we're happy, but then all of a sudden, we realize that's not good enough anymore. Maybe those things are gone away or those things aren't enough and those things aren't filling that hole and we start chasing other things and we continuously try to fill that hole and hold on to those things and those people and that stuff when the reality is what God is trying to show us is we will never be able to fill that hole with anything but Jesus. We go after all of that stuff, but Jesus is the only one that can fill that. And when you cling to all of those things, they all just end up slipping right through your hands. And look at what Jesus says next. Verse 26. He said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud, but think about it for a second. What's your soul worth? That 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 in ingraspable, in is that even a word? Can I say that? That, that part of you that, that proves that you are made in the image of God, that part of you that you can't hold on to, that part of you that you have trouble defining, that part of you that makes you who you are. What's that worth? What's the price tag for that? Now, let's be honest. We set a lot of price tags for that, don't we? We talked about it already. For some people in this room, the price tag is a boyfriend or a girlfriend because they become your savior because they're the ones that fill that hole. For some people in this room, the price tag is the money you're making in that job or that career that you want to have one day because then you can have all of the things that you want. You'll have financial security and that is the God that you are chasing. Maybe it's just stuff. Maybe it's one of a thousand other things But constantly, what we do is we make those things, and and this is going to sound like a weird phrase, but we make those things our functional saviors. And if you're not sure what that means, it means what we're doing is we're putting all of our faith and trust in that thing to fill that hole. We're trusting that thing, that person, that relationship to bring us the peace and the joy that Scripture tells us only comes through Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we chase those things, what happens is that people start to see that over time because you can only fake being a disciple of Jesus for so long. You've you've probably known people who, who say that they're a disciple of Jesus, they're a Christian, and I would even argue that those are two completely different things. But they would say that they're a Christian and they're following Jesus. But if you watch their life over a little bit of time, you begin to see very quickly they're not really pursuing Jesus. They, they may show up at church on Sunday, they may know all the songs, give the, music, or give the money, know everything, but if you watch the way that they interact with people, the way that they treat people, if you listen to what they say, if you look at where they spend their time and their money, you find out real quick, they're not really a disciple of Jesus because you can only fake it for so long. And what ha- tends to happen is you start to see what it is that they are really pursuing. If somebody claims to be a disciple, you can look at them. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What you say you believe should affect everything about your life. If you say you are pursuing Jesus and you believe that he is your savior and he has died for your sins, then you put your faith and trust in him and you are pursuing him with everything that you have, then it should affect every area of your life. It means the person that everybody thinks you are on Sunday morning should be the same person that you are at school, the same person that you are on the ball field, in the band room, in the art class, all of those places. You gotta be the same person. Because if you're really pursuing Jesus, then you're pursuing him with everything. Everything that you have. And what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, he tells us that he's got all of this stuff in his life that he could hold on to, but all of that is garbage compared to what he receives by following Jesus Christ. Listen to this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, For we are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh... And here he starts to kind of give his resume to say, hey, you want to look at somebody who's got a right to say he's a good Christian? Paul gives all the reasons right here. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ What he's saying there is that when it came to his reputation, when it came to his education, when it came to his qualifications as somebody who could follow God with his life, he had it all. He had everything by society's standards that he needed to be a success according to everyone else. But look at again what he says in verse 7. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything that looked Like a positive. Everything that everyone else in his community, in his society, in his culture said, yes, Paul, you are on the right track. Those are the things you should chase. You even got the good little God Christian thing going on over here. You've got all the training, the qualifications, the education. Everything that you need, you're a success. Paul says all that is trash. Every bit of it. All of that is garbage when it comes to knowing who Jesus Christ is. Because Paul understands for him, it was worth it. And if you if you go through the New Testament and you read about Paul, first of all, if you read the letters, you're, you're reading, he wrote about two-thirds of the whole New Testament. But if you go through and you've got right after the disciples and you see what happens to Paul, Paul literally does give everything for the gospel of Jesus. He gives up his freedom. I've asked you guys this before, 90% of the time when I ask you where was Paul when he wrote something, what's the answer? Jail. Because time and time and time again, he's willing to go to jail so that he can tell people about who Jesus is. And jail doesn't even stop him because time and time again, in jail, he's sharing Christ with the guards. At one point in time, He's actually, he's trying to get to Rome. He's on a ship, and that ship gets in trouble. And and, and Paul actually says, hey, if everybody will stay on the ship, I've talked to God, God's told me that if everyone will stay on the ship, we're going to be fine, we're going to live. And the guards kind of start getting worried, and they they start thinking about, you know, abandoning ship. And Paul says, no, stop, stop. Everybody stay on the ship, and you're going to live. When he could have easily said, you know what, I'm going to bail. I'm not worried about those guys. He was willing to give up his life. Scripture tells us he was shipwrecked at one point. And yet, even in the midst of that, he was telling people about Jesus. He was bitten by a snake while he was shipwrecked. And in the midst of that, he was telling people about Jesus. Everything he had going for him in his life by society's standards, he said all of it is garbage when it comes to following Jesus Christ. For Paul, It was absolutely worth it. And then the last verse in Matthew 16, verse 27 says this, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Matthew is reminding us, as I said last night, there's going to come a day where every single person in all of creation for all time will stand before Jesus Christ. And and scripture tells us that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So you can pursue Jesus then when you don't have the choice to pursue him anymore and bow. Or you can do it now. You can do it now when you can see him working in your life and through your life. And the amazing thing is, is that he didn't just leave us to kind of flounder and figure it out between then and now. What he's done is he's given us as disciples. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, scripture tells us that there's a promise that Jesus made to his disciples that holds true then. And it holds all the way through this moment and all the way until Christ comes back like that verse says. And we see that promise in Acts chapter one. It says this in verse six. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, these are the disciples, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now let me stop there for a second. Jesus told the disciples, remember, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Now, the popular belief at that time, as we talked about last night, was that Jesus wasn't going to suffer. Jesus was going to come in and take over, and he was going to be the king right then and there. So this, what's happening... Right here, what Jesus is saying, um, excuse me, or what's happening with the disciples when they're saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What has happened is Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen on the third day. And those disciples who have witnessed all of this, they have seen him fulfill the things that he said. They have seen him fulfill the prophecy from the Old Testament that we talked about last night. They're still looking at him and saying, that's great, but when are you going to be king? They're still thinking like the rest of society. Yes, they're disciples, but they still haven't gotten everything right about who Jesus is. And look at what happens next. In verse 7, it says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the year earth. So what Jesus has done here is he's promised them, hey, as my disciples, you're going to have the Holy Spirit to guide you. You're going to have the Holy Spirit to teach you. We talked about that on Monday night. Jesus made that promise to the disciples and then Scripture tells us just a little bit further on a day they called Pentecost that all the disciples was ga- were gathered together and Jesus or God actually sent the Holy Spirit to indwell them. And that, that sounds kind of weird. Some people hear that and they think, well, were they possessed? No, they weren't possessed. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit becomes a part of who we are. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit helps us to know who God is, helps us to understand God's word. And Jesus made that promise to them. And in the after he left, that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to be bold and courageous. And men who ran in fear, men who were afraid for their lives, all of a sudden were telling everybody about Jesus Christ. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. We talked about what it cost you last night to be a disciple, but look at what you gain. You gain everything. You gain the power of God in your life. In fact, the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 14, it says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That tells us that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you decide to be one, to be a disciple, that the Holy Spirit moves into your life and empowers you emboldens you to tell people who Jesus is, gives you the ability to follow God, gives you the ability to tell other people about who Jesus is, and to begin to live a life that honors him. Now, let me clarify something. It uses the word here. It says you're adopted as sons. Ladies, that goes for you too. It's not just the guys. It's sons and daughters that you are adopted as heirs. If you don't have a mental picture of what that looks like, if you know anybody that's ever been adopted, they are brought into that family. They are not just, oh, these are our real children and this is our adopted child. No, these are our kids. That adopted child takes on the name of that family, that adopted child takes on the rights and the privileges of a child in that family. They are now a part of that family. And scripture tells us that when you decide to put your faith and trust in Jesus, you become a child of God and you become a fellow heir with Christ. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. A promise that Jesus made to his disciples and to every disciple from that moment until the time he comes back. Scripture tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and led by his hand for eternity. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in and through your life. You begin to be transformed from the inside out and you begin to see what it means to honor God in every area of your life. And all of a sudden, all of those things that seemed so important before, that stuff, that money, that career, that relationship, every one of those things pales in comparison to the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. So the question you have to decide the answer to tonight is, is it worth it for you? Is there something in your life that is stopping you from pursuing Jesus with everything that you have? What is it that you are holding on to so tightly that you are so afraid to let go of because that thing makes you feel whole and complete right now? Let me share a secret with you it will let you down, it will leave you empty it will leave that same hole that you tried to fill with it from the beginning. The only thing that completes us is a relationship with Jesus Christ because God has made us that way. He made us to need Him. He made us to know Him. He made us to love Him. He made us to honor Him with our lives. So for you tonight, is it worth it? Is it worth giving up your own plans and your own pride is it worth giving up that relationship so that you can pursue Jesus Christ with everything that you have and the answer is either yes or no If you're here tonight and the answer is yes for you and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ before, I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. We're going to start singing in just a minute. And when we do, I want you to come see me because I want to talk to you. I want to pray for you. And if somebody is already talking to me and you want to talk, don't stay where you are. Grab one of the other adults in the room and talk to them because they want to pray with you and for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, but I still haven't committed in every area of my life. Why not? What are you holding on to? I challenge you to let it go tonight. To pursue Jesus Christ with everything that you have. Because the answer, the, <laughs> the answer is yes, it's absolutely worth it. But you won't know that if you don't take that step. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had in here tonight. God, I thank you for the time that we've had in here all week. And God, I pray right now, help each one of us, God, to answer yes to that question. Help each one of us to to see from your word, God, God, And anything that we would hold on to, anything that we try to pursue other than your son, Jesus, God is still going to leave us empty. My God, I pray for every single person in this room right now. Lord, I would pray if there's anybody in here tonight, God, and they know that they have not put their faith and trust in you, God. They've been struggling. They've been searching. They've been looking for something else to fill that void that only a relationship with pray you'll give them the courage tonight to lay those other things down and grab a hold of your son Jesus and never let go. God, I pray right now, help us to trust you, help us to follow you.